Anyways, holy shit, we made it to episode number four. Welcome to the rub. Just want to let you guys know if you uh, we've seen some jumping numbers. I don't even know, Chris. How many numbers do we got? How many views do we have so far after three episodes? You're the analytics man. Uh, we're doing okay podcast wise. We are up to I believe sixty one. Uh, YouTube, YouTube took a little jump. We're up to fifty one in YouTube. We just started on YouTube, so uh, search us on YouTube. We're there. Link in bio. It's in our Facebook profile. So um, if you're not about the podcast and you want to watch us on youtube go ahead and make sure to hit that subscribe button yeah you gotta hit that shit and just uh yeah chris is right man we're on spotify we're on google you got social media the rub is there and uh we're there for all your wrestling needs and uh to listen to some rumors and some crazy shit that we talk about once a week and also if you guys want to we got an email address you want to send us in some questions your topic could be on the show you can hit us up at the rub at outlook.com please 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 send us some stuff as long as it's you know regulated moderated and stuff before we go on the air which is something that we'll do right josh we're a moderated team aren't we So that's cool. So if you haven't heard already, that's our illustrious panel. We got Chris, the man, Ganyo, also known as Razor Sharp, also known as Long Hair McGee, also known as the Analytics Man. Chris, how's your week going? And uh, tell us uh, about what's going on. I'm on strike. Um, spending some time walking up and down the streets. Uh, you know, getting getting some honks from, from the people who are supporting us. Uh, yeah, other than that, it's been... I mean, wrestling has been a slow week, but uh, what else have I done this week? That's about it. Well, been on strike, the words, been picketing. In the words of our, in the words of our good friend Kyle Anderson, we'll say, uh, "So sassy." <laughs> That's great, Josh. How about yourself, man? What's going on? Tell me, uh, tell me about your week and uh, what's going on with you. Oh, not too much. Just uh, getting the garden ready for the for the year. Other than that, nothing much else going on. Getting ready Sweet summer. Mary Jane, let's get going. Summer's just around the corner. We're getting ready, and uh, hopefully the wrestling is going to get much better from what we've seen because the last two weeks have been dog shit. Um, but anyways, we're going to kick this off. We're going to start off with some WWE topics today, and we'll move into some AEW like we uh, like we usually do. But for WWE, um, you know, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown hasn't happened yet, but with Raw, um, you know, a little bit still uneventful for what we're seeing. But there's something to really do get excited for, and at least I get excited for it, is the WWE Draft. And that's going to be coming up, I don't know what day, probably in the next week or two. Uh, Triple H seems really excited about it. I'm excited about it. But my question for you guys is thinking about what you've been watching back on a couple of the shows. It could be Raw, it could be SmackDown. Which two wrestlers do you think will benefit the most from the draft movement moving forward? So let's start. Flip of a coin. Josh, start it off. Um, you know what? To be honest, I really don't know who from the main rosters are going to are gonna move around too much. And I, I, I bet you there's going to be a couple team breakups. Um but I think that the interesting people to me are the the, the call-ups that are going to be coming from NXT. I'm really excited to see Cameron Grimes uh, move up to the main roster, so I'm hoping that's the case. Looks like Braun Breaker uh, will also move up. Um, and if Indy Hartwell moves up eventually, that would be cool, but I don't think she'll get drafted with the belt on her, on her, tight, on her waist right now. Um, I could see, you know, maybe, maybe the bloodline might break up not break up or just switch brands i don't know it's it seems like they've been running a show where there is no brand loyalty and it now sounds like they're moving to 
where there's going to be specific brand loyalty. It'd be, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it, hoping that they split the titles up, find a way to get those titles separated so that they can have two real champions or just amalgamate the titles and have one ti- one champion move from brand to brand. But I'm not really, I don't know. I think it's going to be a surprise. I really think that it's, it's hard to tell where they're going with all of this. Cool, cool. Chris, what do you think? Two wrestlers that you think will benefit from the draft, um, uh, the upcoming draft, and uh, where do you see them anticipating to go, basically? Uh, yeah, the draft, um, I, I, I usually get pretty excited for it. Like it's an exciting thing to, to go through. Um, could they draft a belt? Like, could they maybe, could somebody maybe draft, draft, uh, one of the, one of the big championships over and then have maybe some sort of tournament to crown a new champion? I don't know. That would be something I'd kind of like to see. Um, who's going to benefit from it? Are they going to break out the bloodline? I mean, it could happen, as Josh was saying. Uh, that could happen. That would that would actually be kind of interesting because you might have uh, who is it? Jay Uso is is they're saying might be the guy to take the belt off him. Who knows? Um, from what I'm reading, I I hear that this is the actual Triple H time to take over. Based on what I've been reading, is it like this is where he's going to get his fresh slate? So. I, with the way he's going, it's hard to kind of, because I, I mean, Eric Young's back now too, that I, I don't know if a lot of people knew that it was, it was really quiet, but Eric Young's back too. He was off um, TV for so long and then actually just kind of popped back in out of nowhere and could be popping in somewhere. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see with that. It was, I, I, I thought they released him and it turns out they've been paying him for like the last, like last nine months to a year just to sit around and do nothing. <laughs> We, yeah, he was in TNA, and then he just like secretly came back, and he's just getting paid. Um, who's gonna benefit from it? Um, he's I don't. You know, well, they're alluding. A, they're alluding to a lot of stuff on TV, right? I mean, we're gonna talk about LA Knight, and uh, that's one of the topics that we're gonna talk about. I think he's gonna have a shot at benefiting. Maybe a move from SmackDown to Raw that might be something that happens. I think the big one that's really kind of the two big names that kind of are popping up on. TV wise are obviously like for the mid card things to kind of get them a push. And it looks like they're going to try and get Xavier Woods out of the new day. And that's what kind of seems uh, a little crazy because we don't really know what's going on with Big E. There's still a chance of Big E's injury that he might not wrestle again. Or if not, he's going to take some significant time to come back to the ring, Um, you know, and uh, Kofi's injured. So in a lot of cases, it's just X by himself. So this might be a time to give him a a benefit of a push, right? Then obviously it talks about Otis and Gable and, you know, you're yeah. looking at Otis and Gable now and you're kind of seeing like now there's this Otis and now there's this Otis with uh, with uh, what's her name, Maxine and, um, you know, the models. And uh, so, you know, it's interesting to see that there's a couple guys there that really seem that they have the ability to have that push, but it doesn't seem to be any of the main people that are going to move. Um, I, I, can't, I can't imagine it. it the, well, you know, it, it has happened like like big names have moved. Um I assume, sorry, is it Veer Mahar? Yeah, Veer. I I assume I assume they're gonna give him probably um, a spot on that draft because, you know, he's coming. He's been coming for f- six months now. So, yeah, they're even talking about bringing back some teams that haven't really been around. Like there was talk about um, the authors of Pain potentially coming back. Um, and having a shot and being in the tag team division with being in some heavy hitting matches like with the uh, with the Viking Raiders and stuff like that. So the draft is 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 going to be a little bit 
um, interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I think another move that potentially happen is that you'll probably see Drew move over to Raw. I think that's going to kind of benefit him, and it kind of gives you that ability to push some of the new team members out as well. So I think time will tell, and we'll see what Triple H's direction has moving forward with the draft. And But I absolutely love with what Josh is saying too. I think having uh, guys like potentially like Braun uh, move up and obviously drop the title to Carmelo Hayes, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to bring Indy up with the thing, but you know, Cameron, Cameron Grimes hasn't wrestled in forever, but apparently like he's looks like he's put on 15 or 20 pounds of muscle and he's getting ready for that main show, which is, which is going to be crazy. Okay. So for the second topic, um, this is one that kind of came up, uh, the other day and we've been talking about, um, kind of this, you know, SmackDown women's tag team division. And we talked about our love of tag team wrestling, but um, in a lot of cases, um, it kind of seems to be bland, but they've been getting a lot of time on airways, especially for SmackDown <coughs> and Raw with the tag teams um, for the belts. Uh, so one of the things is actually that kind of came through is that Liv and Raquel now have the titles. And that's kind of an, an odd and unique pairing that you wouldn't normally see. Now, my question is, can they reinvigorate the women's tag division? Why or why not? Uh, start off with Chris. No, I don't think so. Um, it's it's really just the pairings are too bizarre. They don't make sense. Other than Shayna and other than Basler and Rousey, like I've, none of those tag teams make any sense. Like Shotzi and Shotzi and uh, who am I trying to say? Natalia. Yeah, I don't know. They don't make much sense to me. I mean, Raquel Raquel doesn't do it for me. The back thing. That's all she's got to me. Um. I can watch her flex her back a couple times and sure it's impressive the first time, but uh, Liv Morgan, what are they doing? Are they just putting belts on her now? Cause like, is it just me or does she start to look like worse in the ring? She has her, she has her I, moments. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I find it tough to watch sometimes. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know what? They have their moments where like, I find there's some days where you can watch Liv and Liv is just really on. And then there's some days you can watch Liv and she's just, she just terrible, in my opinion. Like, it's just like you never know which one you're going to get. It seems she pulls herself up for the big matches, but um, it's the everyday stuff that people watch all the time, right? Like, I mean, everybody's bringing themselves up for the big matches. you got to be on every every day to be one of the top contenders, right? Yeah, I'm tired of hearing Corey Graves saying, we're watching you, Liv. <laughs> um, um, so, like, I don't know. What do we... You gotta, yeah, you, you need some teams that make sense, like somebody who has history together, somebody's working together. Like, you can't just put Shotzi and Natalia together because Shotzi comes in on a tank and think it's gonna like reinvigorate your tag division. If you're gonna have the women's tag belts, you should like you should give it time and you should instead of just parading people out there and doing the job, you should invest some story time into it. Well, I think that's what they, it's been odd because that's what they've been doing with Chelsea Green, right? So you look at kind of what they've been doing with Chelsea Green. She's been losing a lot, but at the end of the day, like at least out of all the stories that are out there, her story makes the most sense. So right. she's either with Sonya or she was with, you know, with Carmella in the beginning. Now it's Sonya and now it looks like they're they're going after Liv and Raquel. And so it's kind of interesting how they brought that up. And it's like the same thing. It's like you have you have a massive um tag team in in Shayna and and Rousey that has a lot of notoriety to like kick the hell out of the division and yet there's like really no story that even just putting them together was like well they were the four horsewomen no we'll just put them together it's gonna work it doesn't work that way if there's no storyline or background it's it, it doesn't really have anything there nobody cares right so and uh 
So, Josh, we're coming to this question. I know you're a big fan of Raquel because she hits hard. And I know that when you're looking at the women's division and knowing that from what we've talked about, you're a big fan of uh, the ones that look like they're hitting and that actually hit hard. So you have somebody here in Raquel that hits people really hard. And then we have one of your not so favorites in Liv who doesn't look like she can be there. I think it were, were your words at one point. Uh, just due to her size and that she doesn't hit hard. So um, it's kind of funny how they kind of threw it together and, and, and to go through. So what are your thoughts on this pairing? Can they do anything? And if you could change Liv Morgan out to put somebody with Raquel, who would you put her with? Uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough one. I do like Raquel uh, just because of her strength and because of her dominance in the ring. I mean, I think this is her third or fourth pairing since she's moved up to the roster. Like she was with Dakota Kai before she came in NXT they're really booking her as a tag tag team wrestler, which it seems like she's the only one that they're booking consistently as a tag team wrestler. I actually really think that the WWE is 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 doing a really terrible job with the women's division. They're not. It it seems like the storylines are rushed. They don't give them enough time in the rings, and then I think the matches end up looking sloppy because they're rushing to get the spots in that they want to get in, and a lot of the times it doesn't make sense to the story for me. I, I, it's not that I don't like Liv Morgan. It's just that like I don't like when they book a wrestler of her size to dominate someone of Raquel's size. It's just not my favorite thing. Like I like to see you know more of like the Rey Mysterio style where it's like they're gonna get a fast opportunity and take advantage of a of uh, you know of a, a situation. Unfortunately, in the women's division, a lot of the times those smaller wrestlers are also the slower wrestlers, so they're not getting those big spots over on the the bigger wrestlers because they move just as quick or even faster. Um, but I, I just think that the, the problem with the women's tag division is that they're not dedicating anybody to it. They're really just moving in singles wrestlers, putting them together and then trying to make it work, but not developing any story. I think that, you know, like when um, Dakota Kai and Raquel Rodriguez were, were Raquel was in it, were at a tag in NXT, that was actually a really good tag team. I enjoyed it. It had some, you know, kind of had, uh, a, you know, two different wrestlers. Um, they they seemed to work well together. And then they broke them up. I If they just, you know, dedicated the women's division to have a few tag teams, then maybe you could do it. But I just don't think that there's enough strong women wrestlers there. To do so, and you know, even looking at the AEW women's match this week, it just looks sloppy because again, it looks like they were rushing to their spots and you know, just trying to get them all in. I don't know, it looked out of control, and that's what I think I find a lot of the times in those women's tags matches is they're just not working together well. Feels yeah, like it, it almost feels like the way they're booking them is that they have to book them, so let's just put it out there. I agree. Yeah, and I think uh, the one way that you go through, I think there's two issues to this, too, is that I think, like, the other issue is I think if you look at the women that are in the top of the division for the singles division, they're all the cream of the crop, right? And there's so much there's so much better standing uh, when it comes to draw rates, when it comes to how good they are compared. I think that that there's a sizable gap between the skills for the ones that are the elite at the very top. And for the ones that aren't, that are out at the bottom. So it's almost like kind of what Chris said. It's like, it's like, okay, well, let's pair them together. They're going to get some more time in the ring. They're going to get more of this. But it doesn't seem like, okay, we're going to build to something on it. It's just like, okay, let's just throw it together. Now, you have a chance with the draft as well to potentially take some of the, the talent that's in NXT with some of those girls that were... Um, you know, um, or some of the women that were there that were basically tagging for a while. Like you have Casey Catanzaro and you have Caden. 
Um, the one that I really would have loved to see would have been Gigi Dolan and JC Jane if they would have stayed together. I thought that would have been really good. And I thought when Mandy Rose um, basically was released um, due to the OnlyFans or whatever she came out with, um, I thought for sure they were going to move up to the main roster. And then they just kind of teased this breakup. And it would have been awesome for them to drop the belts in NXT wait a couple weeks and then put them up on the main roster. I think that would have been a really good tag team that would have kind of stood out. Now, when you're looking at NXT now is that you can't basically ravage the whole division. You have to take who you're going to take. And so with that, you might be able to bring a couple of them up to kind of give a little bit of freshness to it. But I think without this, without having the people proper, I think it's really tough to reinvigorate the decision. So I think we're all agreed here that, you know, when we look at Liz, uh, sorry, I was saying Liz, Liv, and uh, we look at Raquel, we're saying uh, invigoration equals no. Uh, I mean, almost, almost get to the point where just, just get rid of the belts. Or I'd say, like, it's the problem with the two brands is that having one set of belts makes sense, but having two sets of belts doesn't. Two women's tag titles? Yeah. Who are, they have a Raw and SmackDown. Who's the, the who are the Raw Women's Tag Chief Champions? Uh... We should know this, but uh, Chris, you want to look it up while I keep talking? <laughs> Sorry, that's a funny question. Um, I'm trying belts? to think. I know that. No, know no, it's just one. There's one just point. one. No, it was. It was. Well, who was? So let's go. Let's go back. Think WrestleMania. So WrestleMania, the Raw Tag Team Champions were Becky control. Lynch and. No, yeah, but they uh, lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was that... Becky Lynch and it was Lita. So there's only one women's tag title, though. There's not two. Yes, there is, because there's the SmackDown Women's Tag Title, because Raquel and Liv have the titles. But they won, those of titles. Off, they won those off of Becky, and Becky won hers off of Dakota Kai. So there's only one set of tag titles. Pretty sure there's two. Okay, let's look at wrong here. Let's just fucking throw fisticuffs. Yeah, Jesus we, we, Christ. we, we do all we the... on this podcast, we do all the, the NHL playoffs. We do all the research yeah. here at the Rub. You know, it's Paul. It's part of it, man. I mean, we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're not professionals. We're amateurs at this, but we're trying to put a professional setup up. But I mean, it's worth it to look. We might have to look. We don't have a stats guy that's sitting in the background. Well, we can get Kent the it's man. It says the current Chris. champions are Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morganson. Liv Morgan. Yeah, Liv Morganson. <laughs> I'm seeing. I'm seeing that the heaviest champions were Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And the Baseline. lightest champ, the the lightest champions were Carmella and Queen Zelina. Uh, no Jeez, Anyways, regardless of what's going on with the belts, which makes us look stupid at this point, and I hope you all get a good laugh out of it. I'll take the blame for that, and um, I should do better as the host. But, anyways, reinvigoration on this topic, no. But now for our next topic, this is something that I really do enjoy, which is more talking about money in the bank. And now we got. Backlash to come first. We got a pretty, uh, you know, a Puerto uh, card that's going in Puerto Rico for backlash. But let's start talking some money in the bank. Now we're kind of looking at this weird little push for LA Knight on SmackDown, and um, there's rumor going around the rumor mill saying that he might be the front runner for Money in the Bank. Do you think that that's a good choice for Money in the Bank for him to have the actual the actual suitcase and for what he can do with it? Um, and does he look like a, a potential heavyweight champion for the company at some point? Chris, what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, LA Knight can uh, can hold the difference with him in the in the suitcase? Dummy, yeah, yeah, I do. I think <laughs> I I I'm all for it. I think it would be great. 
if if they uh, if they give him money in the bank. I mean, the guy can talk. We know that. Um, I I know the knock on him is that he's older, right? So generally, you're gonna think WWE is gonna put him in kind of like a gatekeeper situation. But I mean. If they give him, if he gets one run out of it, I'm I'm gonna be happy. Um, I I I want to see him with more time. I mean, Vince tried to f- fucking. Oh, I can say fuck, eh? Yeah, Vince. Yeah, it's, your prog- it's our podcast. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, it's fuck not. Shit. It's not for kids. Um, so yeah, Vince kind of put him in the maximum male models, and he and he he actually made it kind of interesting. Like he, I thought it was funny when he was there. So, I I mean, he's getting his. He's doing the best that he can with what he's getting, but I, I think if they if they give him the ball, I think we'll be surprised about like about how much people will pay attention to him and what he can do. That's great, Josh. Now I know that uh, La Knight is somebody that's a little bit new to you because um, uh, Chris and I uh, remember him mostly as Eli Drake in a lot of cases when he was Impact his Impact run. Um, and I know we were talking about this last week, but from a freshness standpoint, it's actually a good thing for me to ask this question from what you've seen with LA Knight on a WWE platform. Do you think that he could fit as a heavyweight champion? Or do you think that he's just a guy that can carry the suitcase and, and he's probably going to lose and potentially drop whatever he's going to do when he, when he cashes in on the contract? What do you think? Uh, what do you think he brings to the table? I mean, I, I really like LA Knight's character. When I first saw him in NXT, I wasn't really a big fan. Um, but then, you know, as I got to watch him, as the weeks go on, I really do appreciate the work that he does physically. He's, you know, he's, he's exactly what they would need in the heavyweight title shot. I, to be honest though, I don't think that they're booking him for a run at money in the bank. I, I don't see them putting, putting the, the heavyweight chair, the, you know, the world championship on him. I could, I could see that he could get it, it like, you know, just based on what he's offering, but I don't, it doesn't look like they're doing it that way. However, you know, they did let Austin Theory uh, win the U.S. championship with Money in the Bank. So maybe, you know, that's a, just a route they're going where, you know, they could do the secondary titles with Money in the Bank. I, you never know. There could be a swerve with one of the bigger wrestlers who keeps on getting screwed to face Roman. And, you know, they've got to find a way to split those belts up. And Money in the Bank might be the, way, might be the best way to do so where, you know, the person wins with money in the bank and uses it for a specific championship. And then there you go. But I don't see them doing that like to Roman specifically. I see Roman losing both to somebody and then someone else splitting the titles. Yeah. I think, I think I would agree with that. I think in a long case, I think if they're going to go with LA Knight in this, in this spot and, and having the kind of the front run for having the suitcase, I think it's going to be a long and drawn out suitcase. You have a year with it. And I think it's really going to have to give him the year to really run with it. And I think one of the differences between him and Austin Theory is I think with his veteran experience of being in with interviews and having the kind of wherewithal, because we've watched him for years and he has taglines that are the same thing every week, but he can't come out with the with the suitcase and say the same thing every week. Because if that happens, people just kind of say, oh, geez, when he's cashing it in. like So I think he has this ability to probably take the suitcase as long as he can go and, and still make it fresh just due to how how much of a vet he is in the ring and what he can do. Um, I think it's going to give him an opportunity. If he does have a shot at it, I think it's really going to give him an opportunity to um, really get a good win streak going and really see what it's going to be like for him to be in the back end of a show um, on a regular basis. Cause right now I love the fact that he's calling everybody idiots and that he's beating the living hell out of people backstage. Cause he's, he's basically the epitome of a heel and he's been doing a really good job of it for the last six months. 
So um, I think that'll be pretty cool for him to see. Now, there's some other people that could step into that role too, but we really don't know what's happening storyline-wise. I mean, you know what? If Sammy and Owens drop the titles relatively early, you could have a potential for having Kevin Owens or Sammy, Sammy Zayn to potentially hold it, which gives you somebody that's more credible to go after Roman Reigns, right? Could be a scenario. This could be the chance potentially for maybe Cody to get a shot at Roman, but also for maybe Sammy to get another shot at, at Roman as well. So could be something really kind of interesting there where there's uh, a swerve that could come through that leads into maybe SummerSlam or a little bit later. So time will tell. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be in favor of having a late night run, and I think you'd do a really good job with it, to be honest. Yeah, I like your idea there, too. Um, I... I, oh, I totally forgot what you said, so let's, uh, I'll cut that out. Uh, no, we just, uh, all I was talking about, man, was when we were talking about how potentially you could have somebody else that comes in and does a score uh, yeah, yeah, going yeah, into SummerSlam, yeah. right? So, like, I I wouldn't be too upset with Sammy if Sammy got the uh, got the, the briefcase and held it for a while. That'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. I, I think I think they could make it interesting enough with the Bloodline stuff that, that Sammy could, Sammy could potentially hold that for a while and... Who knows? Jay Jay gets involved, and then something happens. There's so, there's so many goes... ways that you could go. Oh, yeah, and I think like what happens is is that when it comes to the um, when it comes to the WWE, it's always trying to put the that that money in the bank on the young person, that up and comer, right, to give them a shot. Why don't give it to a vet and see what they do with it? Give it to somebody yeah. who like is is an actual legitimate contender that's really coming out and going to scare the living shit out of the cha- the heavyweight champion to come out and I think it's going to really kind of increase the storyline. It's just a different route and I think it's just a fresh take on the on having the money in the bank because sometimes when Austin Theory had it, I couldn't even care less. I was just waiting for the pay per views to see if he would cash it. That was yeah. pretty much it. I knew he was never going to do one. Put it on Solo Sokoa or Jey Uso and then make force the bloodline uh, <laughs> breakup right there. I'd like Solo Sokoa like was that, a top yeah. so. Solo Sokoa was actually a um, kind of a, a, a going to be one of our later topics because he's going to get a massive push too. I think I, I think you could potentially we talked about the bloodline breaking up for the draft. What about keeping the bloodline together but moving Solo out? Like that's something else that can kind of happen where he ends up on a different brand and then they kind of run into him maybe not all the time but once in a while and then you know what because he seems to be the saving grace for for Roman and them if he's there right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be a future topic on this show for sure. Lots of potential. I think the Samoan Spike is uh, one of the most deadly finishers, uh, the way it looks anyways, when he does it. And he's got the look to do everything. And, uh, you know, I think he's Rikishi's son, if I'm not mistaken, right? They all are. All, See, all but fuck, Roman. I don't know half the shit here. I mean, they're brothers, right? Yeah. It makes Solo's sense. just a lot younger, so he's not as like, uh, he, he doesn't know his brothers as well as he should, from what I've read in interviews. Ah, oh, okay, cool. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna combat that because I don't fucking know. Um, okay, so moving on from WWE, we're gonna move on to two days down the road, which would be Wednesday night. We're gonna move on to Dynamite. Um, you know, kind of a weird Dynamite. Uh, you know, we we're discussing it earlier, a little bit botchy in the beginning, couple weird things kind of going on. Overall, I thought it was a, it was an okay show, though. I thought they did a pretty good job. There was a couple of really good segments that kind of kept us uh, in in kind of in the thing. But let's talk about how weird this four pillars angle is is going on, and just how kind of odd it's turning into. Like we were talking about this before, um, and it's just uh, it's just a. Uh, there's a whole bunch of potential outcomes that can come from this four pillars angle. Now it's just odd. Now we got this now thrown this plan thrown in by MJF where he offers uh Sammy Guevara, uh, you know, 
a blank check, tells him to lay down, tells him to do whatever it is so that he can get what he's going to get. And then all of a sudden now they go from hating each other to now they're, they're really good friends, which is obviously fake and, and whatever. Josh, when you saw this play out on Wednesday night, what was your original thoughts and where do you think they're going to go with this, this four pillars angle now that uh, Jungle Jack is out of the tournament? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely... They're not... The, the tournament's irrelevant, I think. I think the tournament is just a distraction to get us to, what is it, double or nothing. Uh, they can't play this angle and not have them do a four-way match for the title. I, 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 I foresee that MJF screws Darby Allen against Sammy Guevara, and then he screws Sammy Guevara, and they all complain to Tony, and Tony gives him a four-way match. I maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading it on the nose a little bit too much, but it doesn't make any sense to end Jungle Boy's push and bury Jungle Boy. Why they had to finish it all in that match made no sense to me to the storyline, because the way they're telling the story leads to four pillars fighting each other. It doesn't lead to MJF just screwing over the, the faces he's going to screw over, over all of them it's it's classic mjf right like uh, and of course it's it's a safe way to do it with sammy being the other heel in this in this you know uh this feud and uh it's it's got to end with the four pillars fighting each other at, at double or nothing if not the storyline makes no sense i mean i don't think it makes any sense to have four of the smallest wrestlers wrestle for the title, but I, I guess it makes sense in the long run because they've been playing up this four pillars since MJF mentioned it when he was feuding with CM Punk. Um, but it seems like it's really forced. And uh, I mean, three of three of the four guys are terrible on the mic. It, when Sammy Guevara is the second best on the mic in there, you got a problem. Well, you know, as much as I hate Sammy as well, you know what? I, I will cut it to Chris. When Chris mentioned last week, he said his promo was really good. I think his promos are getting better, but I have to agree. That promo felt very forced. It felt very, what's the word? First world problem-y. Like, oh man, you just did this because you couldn't make it as a skateboarder. Like, who gives a flying fuck? <laughs> really? Like, who gives a shit? We're in professional wrestling. We're not talking about you being a skateboarder. So, so, so what? You missed your RVCA sponsorship deal. whoop de doo But I think at the end of the day, when you're going through, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Are you leaning towards what Josh is saying? Or do you think that there's another outcome uh, from this if you're looking at it? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I second everything Josh says about it. It, it. it just, it's weird. Doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you have Darby Allen talking about doing head headlock takeovers like what you, you're gonna pin a guy with a headlock takeover like come on and that was mjf's favorite line to to him in a match he was gonna beat uh was it beat cm punk oh, okay beat, no he actually he actually told darby allen that he was gonna beat him with a headlock takeover and then he did when he was knocked out in the first match they had okay um yeah, I don't know. It just it, it doesn't do it for me. It's it's same with Josh, like having these small like four small guys in the ring who aren't good necessarily good on the mic. Like you you need MJF to come and save the segment each time. Each time they they come out, you need MJF to sit there and 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 save the segment. That's not that's not how it should be. You should have you should have one guy playing strong each week. You you should have a different pillar going up each week you know, giving a strong promo to them, but instead like, yeah, the skateboarder thing, like couldn't make Who cares? <laughs> Nobody cares that he didn't make it as a skateboarder. <laughs> I'm going to interject. When you mean, when you mean all four, do you think MGF is small in this scenario? Or do you mean the other? I, three? I don't mean MGF is small, but I, I just mean like the, the four pillars. I'm just, I'm not, uh, 
I just mean yeah. they're like the three of them are they're all like cruiserweights. Like it's you They're all sub six feet tall. MJF is the heaviest and he's the only one over two hundred pounds, which is the craziest thing. Like You know what's crazy? And if you watch MJF when he was like first started to now, he's probably put on at least one Darby Allen. <laughs> yeah. I knew I was gonna get Josh <laughs> laughing at that one. I knew he was gonna laugh at that one. But it's just fucking true, man. Like at the end of the day, like MJF has probably put on 25 pounds to legitimately look like, um, you know, a, a world champion. And I think that's the difference between everybody else. I think like you're looking at everybody else and I think Jack's got a, you know, I think Jack Perry's got a great, great future. I think Sammy's Sammy is, like you said, not my favorite, but I think Sammy, Sammy can do some things in the ring that a lot of other people can't. Um, but at the end of the day, when you kind of look at Darby, I'm not as sold on Darby Allen as much as I is. I think in a lot of cases, um, you know, even his second title reign, I feel, was only really given to him because it was in Seattle, um, which was his hometown. And I think in a lot of cases, he's never really around it. He's a, he's always out and he's he's got his own videos and he goes live on Instagram. He does all this other stuff. And I mean, that's cool if that's what you want to do, man. But um, I don't think anybody's going to give you a world championship opportunity when you're not 100% dedicated to it. And I don't think that he's necessarily the best company guy. That's just me. And uh I mean, who would I know? But uh, I'm not there. But I think when you look at people who are really trying to fight their way for that company, I, his name doesn't really come up for me. So I'd be thinking of Jericho. I'd be thinking of MJF. I'd be thinking of, you know, Moxley, Danielson. Those guys are really trying to push AEW to the forefront. And, um, yeah, I have to agree with both you guys. It's just a really weird concept. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I feel like the only way that they are going to save any grace here is by doing exactly what Josh said, is to have them all fight in a four-way. And I think that's the best match you're going to see them in. You're going to have three three, three cruiser raids flying around the ring trying to kill each other. Darby Allen's greatest asset is that he's absolutely fearless and that he doesn't care what happens to his body. He's going to give up his body for his craft, and I, I, I respect him immensely for doing that. I mean, that match and, is uh, going to be... Like it'll be tables, table ladders and chairs, you know. Like that's that's what that that's, match is. You gotta be. hope so. You, like or a steel cage. It's gotta be something where it's like it's like all I want to see in that four pillars match, and it sounds stupid, is a car crash. That's really what we want to see. We just want to see bodies flying all over the place. We want to make sure obviously everybody's safe. But I think the match that people want to see with that is is really this high flying, high energy, people crashing into things and doing crazy shit. That's really what it's gonna come down to, and then. Um, you know, which, which is kind of, I love because it kind of puts MJF a little bit out of his element. And I think as a, as a world champion, he's going to have to bring whatever he's going to bring to that table to add to that match. Cause that's, what's expected for those three, but he has a different expectation. His is to play that heel character really, really well. And uh, I think that's really going to suit him in this match. That's the, that's what I like to call the X factor in this match. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be uh yeah. So that was a little bit of the weirdness when it came from uh from from Dynamite. Um, moving on from there, um, a couple really cool segments that we saw, which was uh the second one was uh uh the addition um of Konosuke Takeshita as the fourth for the elite in the angle with the BCC. Um, basically what happened was you saw Don Callis come out. He came out, looked like he was going to get in the ring. Uncle Don shit his pants, ran to the back, and then basically got another guy to come out and then picked out Takeshita to come out. And uh, basically he laid house and uh, basically kicked the BCC out of the ring. So it looks like we're going to have a four-on-four tag with uh, the BCC and this kind of this elite hybrid or the elite plus Takeshita. 
Um, when you're looking at it, Chris, what do you think about this angle? Do you think now with the addition of uh, Konosuke to the mix, do you think that it makes the angle better? Or do you think he's just a filler to make up the eight-man tag in this situation? Uh, filler. Filler looked weird. Looked weird when Don Callis came out and then just ran back and came out with some random random wrestler in the back. Um now, now, just to kind of go through, you know that that really wasn't that random in a, in a sense that for the past couple of weeks, Don Callis has actually been kind of going in and out to Takeshita and saying like how much they actually like him. But I didn't think that he was going to be the guy that came out. Like it, it does have that randomness to it, that feel to it though, right? Even though that that happened. It, 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 well, I don't know. Like why have him come out in the first place just to turn around? Why not just bring him out? It, it, Sometimes AEW does this where they, they kind of, it's like they overproduce something where it's like, okay, let's make sure everybody sees that Don Callis is coming out, but he's going to go back and get somebody else. Okay, I get it. Like, why not just have him come out? Because it, 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 not to say, like, it, it's, it's jarring, right? Because you just see him come out, it stops you and you're like, oh, okay. And then he just goes back. So you're like. You're kind of taken out of taken out of the whole spot. Like the whole gimmick is is kind of taken out. You're putting a pause on it. I I don't know. I just I find AEW does this to me every once in a while where there's something something is put in for the sake of being put in that doesn't need to be there. Um, do I, I I like him? I like the wrestler a lot. I, I think uh, I think it does does make sense. They do need somebody. I, Hangman was was Hangman not at the show or? I don't know. Hangman, him. Hangman, Hangman wasn't on Dynamite at all. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to be a shot there with it. If it, if it was going to be Hangman at any point, I think like this, I, I have, a, I have my reasoning on why, and I'll explain after why I think he's there. But uh, yeah, Hangman wasn't on Dynamite. Hmm. So like, yeah, um, I don't know. It just kind of felt like because they didn't naturally following the story, be going Hangman would be coming out right, and then. This just felt to me like he went back and grabbed the next best best thing, and it just I've I don't know. That's uh, he he wasn't the guy I was expecting to to come back. Mind you, I didn't even expect anybody to come back. I thought Don Callis just ran out and ran back like a baby, <laughs> <laughs> like the chicken shit he is. Josh, what are your thoughts on Takesh's uh, addition to this match and? Uh, how do you uh, how do you think he fared well? I thought he I thought he laid out a massive blue thunder bomb, which looked great. Um, but what are your thoughts about him uh, d- taking on the BCC and what looks like it's going to be an eight man ta- an eight man tag? Yeah, I mean, I I you'd have to forgive me. I'm not as knowledgeable with the the Japanese wrestlers, so you know when they keep on introducing these guys, I don't have as much invested in them as you know some of the hardcore fans do. So I think that it, you know, he, I mean, when he first came through in AAW, he was in a 10-man tag with the, the Elite. Um, so it's, I don't know, maybe it's a continuation of that. It, it could be a storyline where, I, I'm not sure. At first I thought it was, you know, Takeshita was the, the the other pair to the Golden Lovers. And I was like, well, that's great. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's not the same guy. That's not Kota Ibushi <laughs> or whatever. I would have been interested, more interested to see that the Golden Lovers make a return. Um, but, uh, it just seems like it's a filler. They need a fourth guy. Um, he didn't really make sense because this is the first time that he's been kind of brought into the, the mix with the, the, uh, the feud. So I agree with Chris that it would have made more sense if it was 
Adam Page, uh, but maybe there's a reason why it wasn't. Um, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't really make sense. But I really do enjoy the story, and I think the match is going to be great. Um, I can't wait for us to see the example of John Moxley doing the the weakest looking stomps, um, so that you know we can talk about it. Josh's Josh's favorite thing in AEW, but he's one of my favorite wrestlers. This is one of my favorite wrestlers. I just wish that he was so more much more menacing with his stomps. Anyhow, um, but the story is just getting older. Josh, he's just getting older. He's he's just he's just getting older. He's just getting tired. That's all. No, no, I think it's just he's he's trying to protect the people too much. He knows it's a devastating move. Josh's favorite part of Dynamite is Tope Suicidas and, and John Moxley stomps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you think, know how many times are, it's either a Tope Suicida or 15 guys standing outside of the ring. In WWE, it's when, you know, they do all the women in the corner with the Tahana bomb and they've got like a six. Like, yeah, it's great to see it. But like, why not just do it at a pay-per-view instead of every time? Anyhow. That's true. <laughs> I think I think the addition of Takesha is really kind of cool because Takesha is kind of like um from njpw he was kind of doing his journey now he's 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 signed to AEW, um which is great i think what they're kind of setting up here is they're really setting up like a japanese strong style match and i think there's going to be something here that's going to lead into the forbidden door and i think that's where we're potentially going to see the golden elite come back so that's where i think kota abushi is going to kind of have his mark because he's a free agent um there was something going around on reddit saying that uh <clears throat> he was saying he's like if tony's around i'm willing to talk i read that as well and i think what the one thing that's going to be shocking is that if you bring him back a forbidden door they're going to think a lot of people are still going to think like the like wrestling industry's not stupid like i said we're, we said it last week we're all marks but there's still going to be some people that i think that he's signed to NJ, njpw when he's clearly a free agent he doesn't work there anymore um and uh, I, I have a really tough time thinking that he's not going to end up in AEW. I just, I, it's either that or retire for me or he ends up in some, I, I can't see him wrestling in another, another promotion in Japan. He looks like, that's just the way like I 40, see it. Eh? It looks like he's like 25. Yeah. He's just like, he's in incredible shape. He's always in shape. Uh, I think he's just like getting over those injuries. And I think like he just had a really just bad spell at the end of it. I think with his injuries and the misdiagnosis or whatever they're talking about, I think there was just some, there's some really bad feelings there with NJPW, but I think you're winning. And I think the time is now to get him back in. And uh, I, I don't know what that happens in, in its entail. It'd be nice to see him back with the elite and then really kind of doing something crazy. But um there's a lot of different routes you can go. And I think one of the routes that we look at, if Kota Ibushi does come back, it's looking at not having the elite together as one as well. That's can't, another, I can't bring him back and not so, bring back the golden elite though. Like it's, it, it seems like, no, you can't. I think, I think you bring it back in. It'll, it'll come back in in some way, shape or form. But the question is, do you start with it or do you end with it? That's the question, right? Um, so I think there's a lot that could be said here. And I think we're going to kind of get a really good fist fight. Um, in that in that match and i think there will be some it's going to be a really i think it'll be a strong style match i think everybody in that match is very well versed in with strong style and i think it's going to be uh that, that match is going to be awesome i think especially at the pay-per-view when they when it goes down so i'll be shocked if it's not an eight-man tag now uh we'll come to our last topic the last topic of the night was probably the most interesting segment on dynamite which was basically adam cole and chris jericho meeting in the middle of the ring and Basically having this this kind of this really cool promo where, you know, Adam Cole was given all the props to Chris Jericho, said he read his first book. He's my hero. And Chris Jericho says, I don't fucking like you. 
and basically I don't like anything about you. Don't meet your heroes because they'll let you down. That's exactly what's happening here. Now, that by itself was, you know, a great piece of storytelling, kind of, you know, divulging what it was like uh, for Adam Cole growing up with Chris Jericho. And now, you know, it's obviously going to have this match. So I think somebody called somebody a stupid idiot and I laughed. I thought it was pretty funny. But the most interesting part of the segment was at the end when basically Daniel Garcia ran down to the ring and they handcuffed Adam Cole to the ring, which caused, for some reason, Britt Baker to come down. And she took a vicious, vicious beating with a kendo stick. I was like, I was, I gave mad props. I stood up and I actually started clapping at the screen because I thought literally she did an amazing job. She took the beating in her hometown of Pittsburgh which got the crowd pretty hot. I wouldn't say it was nuclear heat, but they were they were kind of shocked. She actually calls out to him at one point using his real name, which is Austin, and kind of tries to take it away from a storyline perspective, which was kind of neat. I kind of have some mixed emotions on this, but I was really leaning towards I thought it was really well done. Um, I don't know what you guys thought. That's why we're here. Josh, what'd you think of that 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 kind of that that segment? How did how did it work out for you? Am I just being overexcited for nothing? Because I I don't know. I thought it, it it's a pretty good lead up, and we're gonna see some pretty good storytelling between these two going into the pay per view. Yeah, I mean it's a classic setup where you have you know force the woman to to watch her her man get beat up, and you know make her you know the you know have that emotion, but to flip it and to have uh, Adam have to watch it. Uh, so much, so much more uh, emotional, I think, and it, it was, it was really good, and I really enjoyed the way that they did it. I think it's perfect to be at home. I think that's wonderful. That I, if if I'm going to take a beating like that, I want to do it in front of my family because you know that's what uh, it that's what makes the story that much better. And I think that um, you know part of what the the women's division is missing is that kind of like ruthlessness that you see in the men's division, and it's I I really enjoyed it, and I think. That, you know, it's making Britt Baker that much bigger of a baby face. Like not that long ago, she was a huge heel. So for her to flip and have, you know, be a, a baby face as strong as she is, uh, you know, it's 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 great. And I, you know, I'm really interested to see where it goes. And I, I'm not really sold on Soraya. Um, I think that she's, you know, hopefully she stays as a manager. I don't really not a big fan of her wrestling ability uh, that I've seen so far. Maybe it's the injury or maybe it's just the, the ring rust, but I really, the beatings, I could, you could watch that all day. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I, I just remember him yelling, like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, he said it about 10 times. Like, I'm so sorry. And like, it's funny. Cause for me, like, I watch Adam Cole in, a, in also a different capacity, and I don't, I don't know if how much you guys watch Twitch, but I, I actually watch the Chugs Army on Twitch, and that's uh, basically Adam Cole's uh, Twitch handle, and, and he does really well on Twitch. Like He gets about probably close to 800 to 1,000 viewers on his channel, but the funny thing about Adam Cole, like even as a heel when you used to watch him in NXT and stuff, is that Adam Cole is legitimately the nicest man on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ever watches, if you ever watches things like he'll sit there and he's talking on and he goes, oh, you know what? So he'll get like five subs that come in. And he goes, oh, my God, Liddy. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate everything you do. Like, he's just he's like the sweetest guy on planet Earth. And so it's so funny when you watch him as a heel come through and how good his acting ability is. But now there's kind of this and fucking ridiculous. There was a Chugs Army flag on the show that showed up when he was on his way to the ring, which is really funny. So if you haven't seen that, 
It's kind of a Chris, if you ever do show notes for this thing, that's a show note. Like people, you need to check him out and just watch half an hour and watch how nice he is. It's, 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 it's saccharine. It's sweet. It's like you literally drank grenadine <laughs> when you watch him. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's how sweet he is. But um, moving forward, now we got this little weird thing for me where it's kind of like he's kind of blurring the lines where you kind of got this believability between, you know, kind of this this Austin Austin guy as a whole. And now you got Adam Cole. Now it's kind of in this middle. Chris, I know that you might not have seen a lot of the Twitch stuff, but it seemed like Adam Cole was kind of moving into like kind of a, a like kind of a human being because like when you've watched him in ROH, he was such a prick that it was hard to think that he was even a human being. Um, but he had like this really human emotional side of you. What what really caught you off about that segment when you were watching it? Uh, just classic segment like uh, brings you back to uh and don't quote me on this but it makes me think of like macho man and elizabeth makes me like it, it was a good throwback like I, I thought this segment was really well done like josh said they flipped they flipped the script and have had um had Britt baker beat on which i i mean yeah it, it worked for me um for it kind of kind of helped me out on the dull show like it it, it kept my Kept my interest. Um, you saw it in his face too. Like uh, looking at his face brought me back to I don't know if you guys remember Shawn Michaels saying I'm sorry to Ric Flair before he super kicked him. Yeah. Oh, uh, before he before yeah. he super kicked him. So it kind of brought me back to that where like you really you're really thinking like he's he's hurting inside and and that's that believability you want to see right you want to see somebody and yeah him saying i'm sorry and especially like what matt said when he's saying his real name like it's it's bringing you now into into real life in a different way like it's it's not just going on the mic and saying oh you uh jeff hardy had a dui uh, how did you get here did somebody have to drive you something like that but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's more it's cool because it's like it's like, OK, like this, this is really happening. Like I, I need you. <laughs> okay, guys. I didn't expect that. Sorry, that's good. <laughs> Fuck it. We're, we're going to hell. Uh, yeah. So. So, Sorry, yeah, that's Chris. basically basically how I saw it. I, I, it's a good throwback segment. Um, we don't see a lot of that anymore. Like we don't see a lot of segments like where you're you're seeing pure emotion. Like it looked like pure emotion. Like it, you looked at and you believed like he could cry right now. Like it's uh, so for me, yeah. good and good think, segment. Like, I thought uh, the booking, wh- whoever was in charge of that, uh, just just played it out perfectly. And, and when you have Adam Cole and Chris Jericho in the ring and a segment, I think I don't think you can go wrong with them. So I think it's gonna. I think it's going to be a decent feud um, leading up to. Uh, I assume Jericho's going to do the job because that's what he's doing now. But um, I like it. I, I like it. I'm interested in it. You never know, though. You think like Jericho has done the job a few times, but he also goes over a little bit to make the story work. Like, I really find that it's interesting that, like, in the two weeks that they've been doing Jericho Cole, like, I'm more interested in that story than I am in several stories that AEW has been running over the last cut, like over the last two years, I would say. And it's just like the thing that I enjoy about AEW the most is that the, the dream matches and like the crazy matches are happening. But like, I will agree with a lot of the critics of AEW is that the storylines are dry sometimes. And this one, this one's really impressed me. So, 
Yeah, this one this one is uh, safe to say uh, is moist. And uh, the two things that we will say at the very end, I'll give you two things before we uh, get ready to wrap up the show. I think um, with that, I think that was probably one of the se- only segments that I've seen in a while where every single person that was in that ring for that segment got over for what they need to get over for. Chris Jericho gets over as the hated heel. You know, um, basically you have to solidify Adam Cole as a baby face. You solidify Britt Baker more as a baby face. And then you have the Soraya and the girls come in or the outcasts come in and they get, they get even more heelish over that. And I think that's just unreal. It was just, it was, it was just really, really well done. You don't get to see it all the time, but oh, um, yeah. And I think the second, sorry, I, I sorry. just, uh, I wanted to mention, um, sorry to cut you off there from your thought, but um, I that's thought okay. with raw, with the, the factions coming together, and and I thought that was that that really brought me back like that. I, I, I liked how they did that, how they had um, the bloodline out. Then they had um, then they had uh, Judgment Day. Day come out and then they, they work together to solve each other's problems. LWO comes out. I I just wanted to get that in there before we ended that I, I really liked the, the booking in that direction. I did. It it uh, it was it was enjoyable. It was good to see good to see teams like uh, like back in the day come come and fight each other. And they teased no, uh, really cool... Rhea Rhea versus Solo Sokoa intergender baby. Yeah. And Rhea Rhea, I think uh, Rhea scared Paul Heyman so much that he shit his pants at one point, which was Menacing. great too. Menacing. She is. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, just to finish up on the, the Cole and Jericho thing, I think that this is also not going to go the way that people think it is. I think this is going to go all the way to London. I really, I really think that this is going to be a, like basically a feud that's going to go long term, uh, because money, why not? I mean, you don't need to have Adam Cole chasing for a title. Um, but what we really need when it comes down to those matches is really need solid matches going into Wembley. And that with a six month feud is going to be one of the upper card, mid card, upper cards, like solid matches that you're going to have. So, um, as much as you think Jericho is going to do the job, I think Jericho is going to actually win at double or nothing and really kind of go through. And I think if you're going to give Cole his moment and solidify him as a world champion, then you got to get him at Wembley and have him beat Jericho in front of a hundred thousand strong is really going to get him over. So that's my thought on it. Uh, But with that being said, we're out of topics. We're going to get ready to watch SmackDown at some point. We got about SmackDown in 15 minutes. We do shoot this on Fridays. But like we said in the opener, um, you know what? You can catch us and on Google. You can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on YouTube. We do have an email if you want to write in some questions. Um, TheRubAtOutlook.com. We got our great illustrious panel here. Josh, Chris, boys, say farewell. See you later. See you later. And with that being said, wherever you are today, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I bid you adieu. <laughs> Bang.